Well, good morning, Victory Life Church. Welcome. My name's Otto Ramos. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Welcome to those of you joining us online. It's my great privilege to greet you today. If this is one of your first times joining us, may I invite you and encourage you to check us out at vlchurch.com. And there is a banner there that is just designed for you. Uh, it says, are you new here? Can you click on that banner and fill out the form that you see that pops up on the page? And I will communicate with you sometime this week. That comes straight to me. Also, if you're relatively new to our church, we have a class that is known as Growth Track because we believe that the Lord has a growth pathway, a growth track for each and every human being on planet Earth. And so we've created a class entitled Growth Track that has four different sessions in which case you will learn everything you need to know about Victory Life Church. You'll learn a lot about what it means to be a believer in Jesus and how you can use your talents and gifts to serve him here at Victory Life Church. If you would like to be a part of Growth Track, we're going to start our next installment of it next Sunday morning, October 17th, and we'll have our Growth Track sessions uh, during the first service, during 9.30 a.m. to 10.30 a.m., and we'll be in room 307. You might be thinking to yourself, well, how do I get signed up for Growth Track? Well, I'm so glad you asked. All you have to do is go to our website, and you click on the banner that you see on the screen there, and you can sign up online. If you're not tech savvy, just call us in the office, and we'll get you signed up. No problem at all. Well, that's all I have in the way of announcements this morning because we do have a treat that we're offering here in just a moment. So if you've come this morning to worship the Lord Jesus with your tithes and offerings, now is your time to do it. You can text to give. You can give online at vlchurch.com backslash give, or you can give to our awesome ushers as you exit the sanctuary this morning. So as you are working on giving right now online, uh, I'm going to invite our children's director, Jody Kiesler, up because you're going to get to know her today. Can you give her a hand as she makes her way to the stage? Jody, you can sit right here. And thank you, AJ, for giving me a stool that's easier to hop up on. When I interviewed Pastor Aaron with a stool like this, it took me about seven minutes to get up onto it because I'm vertically challenged, as you can see. Welcome, Jody. Hi, how are you? Good, I'm great. It's great to have you today. And as many of you may know, Jody Kiesler is our new children's director, effective like what, maybe three, four months ago? Yeah. And so uh, we just want to get to know you today. Can we do that? Okay. Church, are you good with that? Those of you joining us online, are you good with that too? Great. Great to hear from you. Jody, tell us, where are you from? I'm from Stowe. You're from Stowe. Born and raised. Well, actually, I'm, I grew up in Cuyahoga Falls. Yes. And now I'm in Stowe. Never thought I'd make the transition, but, you know, jumped over to be on the other side. <laughs> it's, it's good to have you. You're still in Summit County. Still in Summit County. Just in a different town. Okay. That's cool. And tell us a little bit about your family. Awesome, awesome. And they're not in here this morning, right? Next service. Next service. Okay, all right. And uh, where'd you go to college? I got my undergraduate from Kent State as yeah. a Bachelor's of Arts in um, Biology and my Master's in Education from Western University. Awesome. Kent State. Go Flashes, huh? <laughs> right. 
the only reason I say that is because I, I used to work there, and that's what they would say all day long. Um, but uh, you really didn't want to know that. Um, let's hear about things that you want to know. Um, tell us about more important things like tell us about how you found Christ and tell us a little bit about how you've grown in Christ and your spiritual journey and all things like that. Well, I was a little girl, about seven, and the electric company came right down to the South Sanctuary right here at Victory Life. And um, that's when I really gave my life to God. And it's been a wonderful opportunity to grow up in a Christian home and to be in this church where I got to see people um, live and grow in God and, and just see that over time. And it, it really helped develop a faith in me. That's so cool. That's so cool. And here you are as the director of our children's ministry, having been influenced uh, as a child and as a youth. That's really cool. Speaking of which, can you tell us a little bit about your oversight of children's ministries here at Victory Life Church? Right. So I'm in charge of the children's department, and that's anywhere from zero all the way up until sixth grade. Awesome. Okay, great. And we're going to talk a little bit more about some, something cool that's going on here over the next couple of weeks. Um, can you also talk to us a little bit about, like, what's your, what's your big goal? What's your vision for the children's ministry? All right. So we are really excited myself and the volunteers that work with the kids to bring some, some really in-depth learning to the kids so that they can be prepared for God to grow them at any age. And we are even more excited to form a partnership with the parents and the grandparents that have such a huge influence and huge impact um, for their kids. They see, really see that authenticness of your faith. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just see God growing you and we want to be a partner with you in that and help open up the communication between you and your child and so that they can really um, be prepared to grow. That is so cool. And, you know, as an outsider, I'm speaking of myself, um, you know, uh, I've been here for about five years and I didn't grow up in this church. And it's really cool for me to see individuals like yourself and like Pastor Matt and AJ, whom I know grew up in this church and seeds of faith were planted in each of you as children. And now look at the fruit of this, folks. A lot of this is because of your influence. And I think that's a part of what you're talking about, right? So your vision is like, who's the next Pastor Matt? Who's the next AJ? Who's the next Jody? Um, and so on and so forth. And so that's pretty cool. Well, since you've had such great influences in your life, I know that you've probably had some mentors and influences. Can you tell me a little bit about people who have mentored you? But really, as I look around this room, I see many of my mentors sitting right here. You were my nursery workers. You were my Sunday school teachers. You were my Wednesday night leaders. And I heard what you told me in class, and I believed it. But more so, I believed when I saw you walking your faith. Not perfectly, but in the hard times, still in here praising God. And in the times of growth, we, as kids, we saw you change and grow and become more of an image of Christ, whether it was in the horse barn or whether it was out, you know, outside at the church or whether it was in a classroom here. It's, it's really all these people that we see still here praising the Lord that make such an impact. That is incredible. That is such a cool story. So you've had lots of people here influence you. That's, that's amazing. I'm sure that you've had biblical characters that you really look to as, as models and examples and you know, ones that you really like. Do you have a favorite Bible character? I had such a hard time thinking of a favorite one. Yeah. 
I studied Genesis last year, and I keep coming back to Abraham. I mean, like, what, first-generation believer? Tell me if I get it wrong, right? And just out of nothing, and he messed up a lot, and I feel like God just kept bringing him back and and made some bad decisions, some really good decisions. He's just right there for me right now. Well, you know, that's what I like about the Bible. It's an unvarnished look at the lives of God's people. We're a bunch of imperfect individuals serving a perfect God, and so... Um, that's what I love about God's Word. Speaking of words, if you could define your life in one word, what would it be? I was going to say tornado, but that sounded too destructive. No way. So <laughs> I'm, no I'm going to go with thread. thread. You know, I've had yeah. this image of God's tapestry and how we're all this thread. We don't see the big picture, but we're just all this thread that he uses to connect and to, to make his great design. And just one little thread, but I see how he's... Woven. He weaves it all together, doesn't he? he? And I'm sure each and all of you can can think of ways in which he has weaved all of the details of your lives together. He doesn't waste anything for sure. Well, let's let's go a little bit deeper with you. Oh, okay. And by deeper, I mean let's have some fun. <laughs> Tell us, we did this with Pastor Aaron, and I want to do the same with you. Do you have a favorite food? Oh, man, I'm going to give it away. Okay, I love Dairy Queen peanut butter. You know the peanut butter sauce they put on top of the Sundays? I just buy it by the cupful and eat it straight out of the cup. <laughs> <laughs> well, please don't bring that to my office because I've had problems with mice. So um, <laughs> I love peanut butter too. I get extra peanut butter in my pulp shakes, so I can relate to that. Do you have a least favorite food? Oh, mayonnaise. Mayonnaise, okay. Mayonnaise. Oh. Yeah, well, that's Okay. Everyone's entitled. I get extra mayonnaise on my Subway sandwiches. Um, Okay. Okay. Do you have a favorite destination? Anywhere with my family and my dog. Anywhere. Seeing the new sites. We love to go explore just new topography. Yeah. Check it out. Awesome. 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 So here's, here's one. What is a song on your playlist that you wouldn't normally tell someone about? Well, some of you in this room probably... Remember me being a horrible drummer all through high school, <laughs> but it stuck with me. So I have a lot of percussion on my just straight up high school drumline percussion. It's yeah. a little embarrassing, but I do. Have you ever seen the Blue Man Group? I love the Blue Man Group. They're amazing. Oh, yeah, so fun. I've been to a lot of their shows in Chicago. They're really talented percussionists. Uh, what's something unique about you? Um, something unique. Did I write this one down? I can juggle. You can juggle? I can juggle. Here, can you juggle the microphones? No, I can't. Okay. All right. <laughs> I probably fall off the stage. <laughs> That's, we, we should demonstrate that sometime. Okay. All right. Last question. Most embarrassing moment. It happened just a few years ago. I was mowing the lawn, and I chopped up my cell phone with the lawnmower right by the edge of the road, so all the little itty-bitty pieces were scattered all over the road for everyone to see. That's awesome. I'm not allowed to mow anymore. <laughs> well, that's, that's great. I love it. Well, thank you for sharing some personal things with us. That was, that was a whole lot of fun. Um, on a serious note, I know that you're doing something really, really cool that's starting this Wednesday that you'd like to share with our church this morning. So uh, I'm not going to sh- say anything more. Can you tell us a little bit about these children's intensives? Yes, yeah, so we are so excited to have these 
Children's Intensive starting this Wednesday from 6.30 to 7.45. And this is a very intense time of learning for the kids. And uh, this session, we're going to be covering what truth is. And it's by Elizabeth Urbanowicz, which is a great um, worldview leader. Uh, she is talking about um, truth and how to, where the truth comes from, and how to use that truth to filter all the things that are thrown at your kids all day, every day. And so we really want them to walk away with a truth filter that they can take everything and process through it. We're really excited about it. There's also a parenting class that's going to go along with that that will help you as a parent or grandparent to detect how society is impacting you and your children and your family. That is amazing. And so if folks want to sign up for these classes, both children and parents need to sign up. And do you know where? Yes, I think it's on planning side. Just go to the website. Yep. Go to the website. Click on fall life groups, right? They can go to life groups. Actually, if you see that uh, visual graphic on the screen there, it says children's intensives. Um, you'll see the same graphic on our main page. Uh, you can, there's a register, register here tab. Click on that tab, and that'll take you to the registration page, and they'll be good to go yes. from there. All right. Well, thank you for taking right. time thank with you. us today. Stay here. We want to pray for you. Uh, we're going to pray for Jody this morning, and as we do so, I think our worship team is going to make their way to the stage. Let's pray for Jody together. Father in heaven, thank you for bringing to Victory Life Church Jody Kiesler. We know that you've brought her to this place for such a time as this. You are going to use her to teach our young people how to know you, how to follow you all the days of their lives. May you give her the gift of leadership and anointing that is necessary to advance your mission with our children and their families. May you provoke our hearts as your church that we may get behind her and lift her up for your sake. And may you, through Jody, raise up the next generation that will serve you, honor you, and bring you glory. That is why we do what we do as a church. And as we do this, may you bless this work. We pray this in the name of the one who gives our children the only and best hope they have for their future and ours. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Would you stand with us this morning? Oh, I can take that for you. <laughs> There you are, sir. This morning, I want to say something, too. So Matt's going to get about 15 minutes to preach, and some of you are really excited about that. Some of you are really bummed about that. But I just want to share with you something before we worship. It's our goal, one of our core values at Victory Life Church, to push people towards God's agenda for their life. And to do that, we can do that through intimacy in times of worship. God has so much that he wants to do during worship. But you have to be a participator not a spectator. And sometimes we come in and we think, this isn't for me. Music's not for me. Singing's not for me. But I'm telling you, yes, it is. God doesn't care about the best music. He doesn't care about great singing. He cares about when we bring our best. So it's not about if it's really the best by world standards, because it's the best by his standards when we bring true worship to him. So I encourage you this morning. I know you came because you want God to do something. I know you came because you believe God can do something. So be a participator, not a spectator, and let God do the rest. Okay? Amen. Amen. 
We'll make it easy this morning. This is our story. And I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my doom. Jesus, till I met you.
follow you anywhere. You brought us out of that grave, Lord, and now we follow you. We choose to because you make it easy to love you. You make it easy to trust you. Hallelujah. You make it easy to love you. You are good and you are kind. You bring joy into my life. You make it easy to trust you. I'll follow 
to trust you. You've made it easy to love you. You took my place upon that cross. You redeemed what I had lost. But I don't think that it's always that easy. I know that life gets in the way. Our human self gets in the way. Sin gets in the way. Because of sin, we have brokenness. Because of sin, we have hurt. We have pain. We have habits. We have hang-ups. All sorts of things. But we spoke last week about the name of Jesus. We sang it. There's no one like you, Jesus. Only his name has the power to break strongholds. Only his name has the power to tear down walls. Only his name has the power to bring peace, healing, and restoration. In a moment, we're going to speak the name of Jesus over you. We're going to speak the name of Jesus over each other. And we're going to speak the name of Jesus over ourselves as a prayer, but also worship unto God. And God can do awesome things when we call upon his name. Sometimes he starts a process that allows us to enter a promise. Sometimes it's just the beginning when we call upon his name. But sometimes Jesus meets you right in the moment and turns something around, brings you that peace, brings you that healing, brings you that restoration, breaks that stronghold down, breaks down those walls in the moment. So whether he's beginning a process that allows you to enter in the promise or he's doing it right now in this moment, when you call upon his name, he does not fail to move. I encourage you, you call upon his name today. He will move. Do you need him? I need him. I know right now a place in my life where I need the Lord. I need to speak the name of Jesus over it. Speak it over yourself. Speak it over each other. Let's pray it together. Let's pray. Just wanna speak yes. the name. 
Jesus for my family has been 
Lord Jesus, we lift your people before you. Lord, we lift your people. We speak your name over every single person, over every single circumstance. For our children that we're concerned of being sifted by the world, we speak the name of Jesus. To those under the oppression of depression and anxiety, we speak the only name that has power in the universe. Lord, we pray that the most important thing when we gather together would be an encounter with the living God who has something to do in and through each and every one of us. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that we would seek you with a full heart, trusting you to move, trusting you to speak, trusting you to heal, trusting you to bring up from a lowly place. Lord Jesus, you have all of our worship and all of our praise in this place today. And we know that our worship and praise cannot even begin to come to a place that truly honors you because of the power that is in your name. So let us continue to do, Lord Jesus, what we've set out to do as a church, which is to point people to you and watch you rewrite their story. We ask these things in that name today. And all God's people said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Young disciples, you may be dismissed at this time. If you are between the ages of K through 6, we have a children's church program down the hall, and we would love to have you go on down there, get a lesson on your level, and uh, then you can be picked up by your parents. They're in Acts as well this morning. I'm going to ask you, ask you to turn to Acts. Say that five times fast uh, without having the FCC come after you. Anyhow, uh, turn to Acts chapter 13 today if you have your Bibles. I absolutely love church services where what I'm going to share with you is secondary. You know, we live in an age in the American church where we elevate preaching to the most important thing uh, in church. I am a preacher, and I don't believe what happens in church has its origin or most important thing in my preaching. I really believe with all my heart that the most important thing that can happen in any church at any time is for the people of God to encounter the presence of God. And if that happens through the preaching, praise the Lord. But I just, I know God's doing some things in this place today, and I don't know all of what he's doing, but I know that the table has been set. All we have to do is pull up to the seat that God's prepared for us. You know, God wants us all to play a role in the great big story that he is bringing about on this earth. One of my favorite series of novels is the Chronicles of Narnia. I don't know if you've ever caught those books or read those But if you read the Chronicles of Narnia, you are waiting the entire time for Aslan to show up. Aslan is the kingly lion, the lord of Narnia, the one who is the Jesus character. And every single book, the characters are going through their trials and their tumults. They're going through all of the hardships of life, and then Aslan shows up. Now, that doesn't mean that they didn't want Aslan to show up. It's not that they weren't 
interested in having Aslan showed up, but what they really wanted was Aslan to show up and maybe solve the problem that they were having at that moment. But something unique happens every time Aslan shows up. They realize that their own story is engulfed within a much larger story. The hardships, the things that they've been going through, the moments in time that have been defining them really are not the hardships and the moments in time that will ultimately define them. What will ultimately define them is what takes place in the presence of Aslan because they're not, he's not part of their story. They find out that they're part of his. And that's how it's supposed to work with us today as Christians, as believers who pursue the presence of the Lord. When God shows up, when the Holy Spirit is manifested, the Spirit of Christ comes and dwells among us, we recognize that even though we have been going through a story ourselves, that we're really part of a much bigger story. And I don't know about you, but now more than ever in my life, I have this desire to make sure that God doesn't just make cameos in my story. I'd much rather see my life, as Jody spoke about a few moments ago, as part of the incredible tapestry that God has for me. That that tapestry is, is his story. I am only a thread in the greater one. And I think many of you would like to be part of that greater story as well. In fact, you might even be thinking back to times in your life where you knew exactly where you stood in that great tapestry of God's story. Well, today we want to get one step closer to that, whether you're there today or whether you're not. How do we make sure that we are part of God's great story rather than just seeking God to make a cameo in ours? We've been following the story of Saul. Now, you know Saul as Paul, the writer of a good portion of the New Testament, one of the greatest missionaries of all time, someone who helped spawn and, and bring about the Gentile church of which we are a part today. And we have seen some incredible things taking place because people like Ananias and Barnabas pursued the presence of God, were led by the Spirit of God, and unabashedly connected Saul to the mission of the church. Well, today we're going to see how the tapestry, the thread of Saul, works within the greater tapestry of what God had always intended to do in the world. We've been leading to this place for weeks now here on Sunday mornings. God's big story is salvation for the world. That's what he's after. Yes, he did it through the descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but he said to Abraham way back in Genesis 12, 3, through you I will bless all the nations. God's desire to bring salvation to the ends of the earth is the great giant story that's taking place from Genesis to Revelation. The prophet Isaiah spoke that my salvation, says the Lord, is to reach the ends of the earth. And what we're about to see in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 4, is a huge portion of God's story, God's salvation, reaching the ends of the earth. But it didn't happen in a vacuum. Someone had to go after Saul, but then Saul had to go after someone. Let's look at Acts chapter 13, 1 and following. We last left this church in Antioch with Barnabas and Saul coming in and beginning to be their pastors. And we know for one year they operated in that realm, which brings us to this very point. Verse 1. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, 
Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, which was the port city near Antioch, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. This is the big moment in Saul's story. In fact, for the writer Luke, this is the moment where Saul becomes Paul. Haven't we said that like 19 times over the past three weeks? Saul is not yet Paul. Well, here it is. This is the moment. And just a few verses later down in chapter 13, it says Saul, who was also called Paul, because you know him as Paul, writer of Romans, writer of 1 Corinthians, writer of 1 Thessalonians. You know Paul. Well, Paul is now or Saul is now becoming Paul. That's, this is what's taking place here in Acts chapter 13. He's becoming the main character aside from the Holy Spirit in the rest of the book of Acts. This is the moment. How many of you have a study Bible either in your lap or at home? You've got some, that big, thick NIV, ESV study Bible. You, you really could use it as a deadly weapon if needed be. It's that thick, it's that huge, it's dangerous. You dropped it on your toe once, it was awful. That, that study Bible in the back has a map, and it says Paul's missionary journeys, doesn't it? You've looked at it when you were bored in church, the sermon was boring, and you were looking at that, right? All the maps in the back. That's what I used to do as a kid, and sometimes as an adult. I'd look at the maps when I was bored. And you see Paul's missionary journeys, and you see the red line, and you see the green line, and you see the blue line, and you see the yellow line, and there's dots all over the Mediterranean world, and each one of those dots is almost a place, almost all of them, is a place where Paul started a church. 14 to 20 by our best estimate. 14 to 20 church plants in a world that had never heard of Jesus. Can you imagine we at least have some sort of Christian background when we plant a church or when we share the gospel, some sort of, of cognition that Jesus was one of the most important figures in the history of the world. They didn't have any of that. Yet, yet this is what's taking place. They're getting called by the Holy Spirit. Barnabas and Saul, who's going to be Paul, they're going to be sent out to begin those 14 to 20 churches. The church in Ephesus, one of the churches that they start, I was reading this week, started after them innumerable churches. History cannot record all the churches that started from the church that Paul started in Ephesus. We also know, as we mentioned, that Paul wrote so much of our New Testament theology, how we're supposed to do church and Christian life. And, of course, he was mentoring people along the way, like Mark and Silas and Titus and Epaphroditus, Aquila and Priscilla. This is, a, this is the moment. This is, this is Saul's big moment, except it's not. It's God's big moment. God's right now fulfilling the promise to Abraham in Acts 13. Genesis 12 to Acts 13. Here comes the promise that the Gentiles, the non-Jews, are going to be reached like never before because of what's taking place right here. So how do you get there? How does the great tapestry of a human life be, be, be woven into the massive tapestry of the life of God? Well, first I want to remind you that Saul didn't become Paul in a vacuum. We've talked about it for weeks. We talked about the Lord Jesus revealing himself to Paul, and it all starts there, doesn't it? We can't forget that Jesus put in the work, can we? Jesus came to this earth. He descended to our level. 
he made himself nothing. And he died on a cross for our sins. And he raised to new life to give us the hope of resurrection as well. It starts with Jesus. It always does. It's going to end with Jesus too. That's why he calls himself the Alpha and the Omega. But from the time Jesus revealed himself to Saul, we saw what Ananias did. Ananias heard the voice of the Lord. He pursued Saul when Saul was a church persecutor. He went and loved him and cared for him and took care of him. He unabashedly connected him to the mission of the church. Let's be baptized. Let's be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me introduce you to the church in Damascus. When Saul was without a church, what does Barnabas do? He goes and brings him into the church in Jerusalem. He takes him to Peter. What does Peter do? Spends 15 days with Saul. 15 days. And I'm sure they weren't talking sports. They were talking important things. They were legitimizing the the ministry that would one day be done through this man. And when Saul was kicked out of the church in Jerusalem because people were going to kill him, the church didn't kick him out. The the authorities in Jerusalem kicked it out. It was Barnabas who remembered Saul. And when Barnabas goes to to begin his great work in Antioch, he says, I'm going to go get Saul. I'm going to go 150 miles each way uphill in the snow to get Saul. God's people put in the work. That's how Saul becomes Paul. His people put in the work. Nobody had an easy road here. Nobody had an easy, an easy, Ananias had to go to the persecutor. Ananias had to pray for him that a miracle would happen. Ananias had to go, you got to be baptized. I'm sure he goes, what is baptism? You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That can happen. Barnabas goes and brings him to Peter. Barnabas risks all that pocket change with the church in Jerusalem so that Saul can get connected. Barnabas goes all of this way to get Saul. God's people put in the work. That's how Saul becomes Paul. That's how Saul becomes Paul. I tell you what, it's amazing to see the preparatory work that went into this moment. Not only on the part of God, but on the part of the church, being the church, handing Saul off to the next person who was going to lead him, handing Saul off to the next person that was going to disciple him, handing Saul off to the next person that would put themselves out of time and effort and energy to make sure that Saul was able to do all that God had for him to do. Layers of connection, layers of handoff, layers of introduction. Saul needed people who cared cared about the mission that the Lord Jesus had and worked hard to put him in this position. Now let's focus in on what exactly is happening in Acts chapter 13. Because what's taking place in Acts chapter 13 is continued pursuit. It must have felt good to be part of the church in Antioch. They were a really great church. We said last week that historians have told us that you cannot underestimate how powerful the church in Antioch was in the history of Christianity. We can't can't talk enough about the power that was in this church. It was a great church. They had a lot of good things going on. And in the midst of all of these good things going on, they fired their pastors. Well, they didn't really fire them. They kicked them out by means of the Holy Spirit. Don't get any ideas. This is is astounding, is it not? Barnabas and Saul were sent there to lead. Yet they're fasting and worshiping. What are they doing? What does fasting and worshiping have to do with anything? Well, I'll tell you. You fast when you're pursuing the presence of God. That's what you do. 
So they weren't just worshiping, they weren't just singing the choruses that were germane to their church, but, but, but the church was not eating. They were, they were subjugating the physical in pursuit of the spiritual. This is the context of the moment where Saul becomes Paul. It wasn't enough to just have preaching, worship, a little bit of prayer, some time in the lobby, and, and that was it. This church is pursuing the presence of God together. Why else would they be fasting? That, that, this is the context. I, I, I hope it, it, it's just smacking each one of us in the face a little bit. That, that it wasn't just a, a, an exercise of attending and being part of a church. They wanted more of God. And they were doing it together. I... I I wonder what might happen, and, and I, I might wonder this in real time in months to come, if I, as the pastor of this church, called us to a fast, like a collective one. Now, individual leaders and individual staff members and folks within the church and elders, we fast at times, but we, we, I don't remember in my time calling all of us to a fast. Maybe we have. And, and say, you know what, we don't know what's going to happen we're not sure what God's up to, but we're going to keep pursuing his presence because we know he has more for us. How would you feel about that on a personal level? Would your initial reaction be something like, well, I don't know if that fits me right now. I don't know if that's going to fit our lifestyle. I'm really busy that day. I'm really busy that week. I, I don't know about that. Like, I like, I like the, that church there, and I, I like that, that preaching, or I like that music, or I like one or the other, and I suffer through the other, however you construe it, right? Because we're so commercial in our church going, right? But, 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 but what, what if we were to do this and say, we know that God has more for us. And what if we were to say that, 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 that in that in that midst, in the midst of that seeking, in the midst of that worshiping, in the midst of that fasting, what if God called somebody to something? What would we do with that? Would we be ready for that? Would we be prepared for that? See, the, the neat thing about the church in Antioch is they already had it made. They were a great church, but they kept pursuing his presence anyway. That's who they were. They kept pursuing the presence of God. It's so interesting, and, and this, is, this is, I wouldn't want to be part of the church in Antioch. So, so what happens here? They're, they're worshiping and they're fasting. They're seeking the presence of God. The Holy Spirit speaks. Set Paul or Saul and Barnabas apart to the work that I've called them. And they're like, all right. So, so Saul and Barnabas, it's time for you to do the thing that you're supposed to be doing. So you know what we need to do next? Now that we've been fasting and worshiping, let's go ahead and fast and pray. No one wants to be part of the church in Antioch. Because when God speaks through fasting, what happens? They fast some more. God bless them. Maybe there was a famine and they were just reacting to it. 
Maybe there was a shortage in the food chain, couldn't get bread or toilet paper, so, you know. No. Their response to God showing up in their midst was to, was to seek God's presence some more. Do you get it? That's what their response was. God showed up, and they're like, well, before we send Barnabas and Saul off, we, we should probably seek him some more. You know? That's why I mentioned to you a moment ago that, that sometimes in the church, the least important thing that is happening is what's being preached that day. Not always, but sometimes. Because, because if, if this church that, that interjected itself into the greatest story on earth, God's salvation through Jesus of the world pursued the Holy Spirit's presence, maybe we should as well. Could it be that in order for us to find our place in the tapestry of what God is doing, we need to pursue his presence even if we've already arrived. Because what happens that day in Antioch is powerful. Because God supplied a fresh calling for that church. They're, they're, it's so fresh and so powerful that they're willing to send their pastors out to complete it. A fresh calling. Saul and Barnabas had already been called to Antioch. They spent a year there, but now God's doing something new. God's doing something new. You know one of the biggest things that causes sadness in me is when I'm telling the same old tired stories of faith. Not a testimony, mind you. Not an intentional time of sharing with another human being the goodness of God for the sake of sharing the goodness of God. No, I, I feel bad at times when, when, when I lack this. I have a back screen. When I lack that, that fresh calling from the Lord. I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm nearing 40 I don't want all my greatest stories in faith to be when I was in my 20s. You know? I don't, I don't want the same tired stories of faith. I want to look back when I'm 60 and talk about what God did in my 40s. You know? I don't want to talk, talk about the 90s or the 2000s. I mean, DC talk was great. but I need a fresh anthem. I was thinking about when the Lord saved me today. We were singing that song and I came out of that grave, right? And I was thinking about being 14 and how much I loathed myself and the depression and anxiety I was in. My mom's here today. She'd be able to attest to the fact that I'd sit on the edge of my bed and couldn't even go get myself to school. I was so upset at life. Couldn't even go. I was so deep in depression and anxiety. And I remember the night the Lord called my name. And I remember the anthem that was playing. This is my desire to honor you. Thanks, Acquire the Fire. Thanks, Ron Luce. 
And I, I, I worshipped right that moment. Children of the 90s and 2000s were like, yeah, choir of the fire, right? <laughs> when a youth pastor needed his, his group to become worshipers or go on a mission trip, you just take them to the choir of the fire, it's over, right? But I remember that moment, right, where, where God moved and God spoke, and it's so fresh and it's so real once again, right? And we always have those. We always carry those with us. We carry those anthems of the times when God was so keenly felt. And I could tell you how he changed my life at 14. I could tell you the story of how I truly became a follower of Jesus Christ, how I truly was changed, how depression and anxiety was replaced by confidence in the favor of the Lord. I can tell you that story, and I can remember the anthem that was playing. I need a new anthem. I need a new one. Maybe it's speak the name of Jesus, but I need a new anthem for this moment in time where the presence of the Lord is so keenly felt. And he supplies fresh calling to the people of God. He supplies fresh calling to the people of God. You know, I don't always know when God's going to do these things. I have to be honest. I don't know always when these moments come that fresh calling is supplied. But let it never be said of us, folks, that we neglected to pursue the presence of God and therefore no calling came. Let it never be said of us that it wasn't convenient to linger in the presence of God and therefore we missed out on what God was trying to do through us. All of us are here on some level because God called our name. Many of us have tremendous stories that we'll recount in heaven about what God did in and through us when we became part of the big story. But my prayer over his church today, the Lord Jesus' church, would be that he supplies some fresh calling in our time. Something new and powerful for such a time as this. In the book of Mark, in the book of Galatians, it says that Jesus came at just the right time. Jesus is still showing up at just the right time, my friends. And right now is just the right time. Because the Lord Jesus has not yet returned. The old heaven and the old earth have not yet passed away. And you are here this morning in the seat that you're in because he's called your name. And he wants to supply for many of us today something fresh and something new. Will the call come today? I don't know. Will the call come in life group this week? I don't know. Will the call come at prayer meeting? I don't know. But let it never be said of us that we didn't pursue the presence of God. 
and therefore missed this time that he has called us to. Would you bow your heads and join me in a time of prayer? we just seek the Lord together for a few moments I doubt many of us have fasted this morning if not by accident but if the Lord's speaking to you today and you are physically able maybe we can just kneel before the Lord right where we're at today right in our seat turn around kneel before him and say, Lord, I need this. If that's you, just move. Now, if you have not moved, I'd like you to begin to pray for those who have. Pray for them. Pray that the Lord would supply for them that which they seek him for today. And elders and intercessors today, I invite you for just a few minutes, if you want to move in and around folk that the Lord calls you to lay hands on a shoulder or a head and pray for them, please do. We're just going to do what Jesus said and make his house a house of prayer for a few minutes. And I don't even know if I'm going to pray some big pastoral prayer, maybe AJ will sing, but let's just seek his presence for a few minutes together today. Lord Jesus, this time is yours.
Showers of mercy and grace falling on every face. There is freedom, Lord Jesus. You have done something in our lives that sometimes we can't even bring words to. We can't remember every single movement, every single change, every single ounce of your favor, your blessing, your comfort and your peace. But Lord, we know that we want to spend our lives in service to you, the King, we want you to do things in and through us. We want our story woven into the tapestry of your story. So we give our lives to you afresh and anew today. Speak so clearly, we pray. So much so, Lord, that when you call us to what's next, we don't doubt it. We can't stop going after it. All for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand today? I would encourage you today that if the Lord's doing something in your life, but you're just not quite sure what, you know, we have three prayer meetings that will meet in the next, oh, I don't know, 48 hours, 7 o'clock a.m. Thank you, Gina, 7.30 a.m. Tomorrow morning before work, you can come and pray for the Lord's calling and his presence. 
tomorrow night at 7 p.m. right here in this building, and, and Tuesday at noon, we'll be doing that again. There'll be life groups that are seeking the Lord. We've shared with our life group leaders, seek the Lord this fall, even if the content gets pushed to the side. Spend time in the presence of God together. We really believe that God's got great things in store as we pursue his spirit. Let's pray and dismiss today. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time we've shared together. God, it's been sweet. God, we pray that you'd send us from this place full of your spirit and awe of the Lord Jesus. Amen.